We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome back to another episode of the A Black Hands Podcast. This is a very, very special show as we have a special, special guest. Now, we got the fellas with us, which, you know, you know them, you love them, uh, and they will, you will definitely hear their voices soon. But we have with us Dr. Boyce Watkins. Uh, just really a brief introduction because we're going to have him talk about himself. But Dr. Boyce Watkins is one of the world's leading financial scholars and social commentators. He advocates for education, economic empowerment, and social justice, and has changed the definition of what it means to be a Black scholar and leader in America and beyond. Uh, He is a scholar, author, and one of the most highly sought-after public figures in the country. He is also one of the founding fathers of the field of financial activism, the objective of creating social change through the use through the use of conscientious capitalism. That's a that's a word for you right there, Doctor. Can can you welcome Doctor? No, no. Say say the word again. Say say it. Say it. Capitalism. Uh, the use it. of conscientious capitalism. All right, thank you. We gotta say that first word first. But first of all, this is a very this, this is a very special <laughs> show for me, just because th- that bio was good and all, but it does not do justice, right? Dr. Boyce is like one of the free black men in America. This is a voice that has been around for a very long time that that everybody should uh, listen to when they want to be free financially free, spiritually free, socially free, and have a good analysis of what it means still to be in the struggle in the United States. I got friends that do the Dave Ramsey thing, right? They, they got Dan, Dave Ramsey in their feed and they post it or whatnot. We had a Dave Ramsey before there was a Dave Ramsey, right? We, we, we had somebody who's telling us about financial liberation and, and how uh, debt is slavery and providing us with good analysis for a long time. So for me, this is a very exciting show. This is very, ex- this is a, this is a moment for the eight black hands show. We finally got some Cadillac guests on this thing. <laughs> we, you know, I feel, yeah, we finally got a Cadillac guest on this thing. Cause I feel like all our guests have been great. Let's not diss our I know, don't, let's, don't, don't, let's not don't speak ill of our right. former great guests, <laughs> but this is a different day. This, this is different. This is like, this is like getting 50 cent on the, on the show, right? This, this is, this is something totally, totally man, we're not going to so, do this for the so whole welcome, show, man. Dr. Boyce. <laughs> we're not going to do this for the whole show. Welcome. Like, yo, yo welcome. Chris, 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 this is the first time I've ever seen you fanboying like Charles. <laughs> Brother, it's called respecting the guests, making them no, feel. It's okay. No, it's okay. No, 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 no. Listen, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I get it. I get it, Ray. Because not all of us enjoy freedom. Right, so I, I, I can I can get how you can make light of it. I, can, I get how you can make I, light of it. I was free. I was been free a long time, boss. I don't know, man. I don't know. I saw the news, but you' about to get freer, and our listeners are about to get freer than they've ever been, just with the presence of this gentleman on our show. So, 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 welcome, Doctor Boyce. Thank you for being here, man. Thank, thank you, sir. thank you guys for having me. And um, you know, and I, I I'm, I'm honored by the uh, by their respect, man. I mean, it it it, it means something. You know what I mean? Because um, you know, you go out here and you go to battle, you, you, everything ain't always love. You know, there's a lot of hate, uh, a lot of nastiness and chaos. So, um, so it's, it's no such thing, man. It's like, I believe there's no such thing as showing too much respect. You know, like the, the amount of respect I have for you guys, you know, is, is enormous. And I'll probably end up repeating that over and over because brothers need to respect each other. You know, shit, we, we respect the hell out of white guys. You know what I mean? Like, if Bill Clinton was up in his mug, you know, it'd be, be like a big, you know what I mean? So, so I, I say that black men, you know, I, I think it's it's important that we all see each other as first class, period. You know what I mean? Especially guys like you, you know, you guys are scholars and activists and thinkers and thought leaders. Like, why is it that we live in a world where people will respect a rapper who can't spell his mama's name over a black man you know, with a, with a doctorate or a master's degree or who's actually worked hard and built something in his life. You know what I'm saying? So I think that everything you guys are saying, man, you know, I, I receive it, accept it, appreciate it, and I reciprocate that immediately. Man, I like that energy. You. That's really yeah. good energy right there. I like that too. I like that too. Can you see, like, I can, can't you see the similarities with him and Chris though? I, just in the way that they're talking. Y'all need it's to stop. Be, see, so you're going to start this already, bro. There's no, no similarity, bro. Why, why are you doing this? Thing. 
I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing. I mean, I'm flattered by it, but I, I don't want you insulting our guests, though. <laughs> right? uh, nah, nah, bro. Nah, nah, don't nah, don't nah. undersell yourself, man. You're an OG, uh, you know, man. You're an OG, you know, man. Uh, <laughs> you're <all> crazy. <laughs> Listen, this is what I think is important because we talk on this program oftentimes about education, freedom, uh, education for liberation. You know, it's all mm-hmm. these things that over time it has it has become are are almost like our shtick. But there comes a time where even your own stuff gets old. And I would just wonder, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, you just get tired of having the same arguments with people, like arguing with people about why we should be free. And I just wonder in your work, as time has progressed and you've crystallized more and more of your messages as time goes on, do you still get new understandings of the problem? Do you still have new ahas? Like this in this last year, did you break any new ground on what you've been thinking for a long time about our freedom? Yeah, um, I have ahas every week. You know what I mean? It's um, because it's a problem. It's 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 one of the great, uh, most important problems. You know, I think of this generation is figuring out. You know, the, just the um, you know things like the black wealth problem, um, the 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 inequality problem, if you want to call it that. And actually, I like for example, one of my ahas on the inequality problem is that some extent of the inequality issue is. Um, it's a, it's an illusion, you know, not because there isn't inequality, but because, you know, a lot of things, the way you perceive things a lot of times comes down to what you're comparing it to. You know, we always have a frame and a, and a benchmark. And I think that one of the things that we have um, just for, this is just an example of an aha moment is that I realized that a lot of times the reason we think that we're poor as black people is because we're always comparing what we have to what white people have. And, um, and it doesn't mean that that's not, you know, something that you can do in some situations, but for the most part, you know, if, if, if black people were a country, we'd be one of the richest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And so if you imagine a guy, imagine a guy who's six foot five, who's always comparing himself to the, to the seven footer next door. He's, you, he can end up thinking that he's really short. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he might say, well, I can't play basketball. I'm only six foot five. I'm too short. Right. He's not too short to play, but if he has a short man's mentality and he never goes out and practices, never goes out and tries, then he'll never find a role for himself on the team. You know? Mm-hmm. So the same thing for black people is that, you know, just, I'm now speaking specifically on the wealth gap issue. We think that we're poor and with poverty comes a mentality. Poverty comes a type of, uh, of feeling sorry for yourself, of victimhood, a, uh, a, one of those mindsets, like I can't do shit for nobody. Cause I'm just struggling. I'm barely trying to get by. I need somebody to save me so I can never swim. I need someone to save me. And, uh, and so what happens is you then you, you don't go out and you build anything because you're thinking I'm just surviving. I, I can't be building nothing. Right. And so as a result, you just sit there and you build nothing. Whereas a person who has the same resources with a higher self-esteem, a higher self-perception, who has a higher level of dignity, a higher level of self-worth is going to go out and do what he can with what he's got. You know, uh, like for example, when I was down in Columbia, I said, now, now pay attention. Colombia has their GDP is one fourth of the total annual income of the African American community. Their GDP is about three or four hundred billion. We have about one point three trillion. Wow! In is that Columbia, right? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Wow! So, so, wow! So process this, man. In, in Colombia, yeah. they they got their own school system. They got their own businesses. They got their own media outlets. They got their own own everything. You know what I mean? Their own sport. They own all the sports leagues. You know what I mean? They're not trying to get a team. They own the whole fucking league. So. So as black people, you know, I think that sometimes with the racism thing, the best way to resolve the racism issue for us is to sometimes maybe stop thinking so much about it, you know, um, and start thinking about what you can do with what you've got. Uh, one last example I'll give you, man. When I was out in Chicago, uh, a brother came up. He's a young guy. Uh, he had a book. And, uh, and I was sitting there. I was, I was talking to a rapper uh, by the name of Jay Ortiz out of Philly. He'd come down for the All-Star Weekend. We were sitting there just talking. And a brother came up with a book, and he told me about his book. And he's like, yeah, I just want, want you to have a copy. And I said, okay, well, thank you, but I'm going to buy your book. I want to buy the copy. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to give me free anything. And, um, and, 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 and what I was explaining to Jay was I said, you know, as black people, especially as men, it's really important for men, you know, we got to realize, like, what we can actually do for other people. You know, instead of me saying, well, I need the free book because we're all struggling, we all broke, and I need something free, I need you to give me the hookup. No, I might not be able to do a lot for you, but I can help you. Because, and at the same time, because I'm selling, I have, I have things I sell, I'm asking you to help me, right? So developing that reciprocity, I think, is extremely important in terms of shifting us out of that mindset of that, 
that so like, you know, we're, I'm the victim. I can't do nothing for nobody. I need free stuff. I need charity. Like you can't build a nation off of that. Mm -hmm. What do you think happened? I mean, when I was growing up, it was a point of pride for communities and for folks in our community, for my family specifically, that if you needed a doctor, you found a black doctor. If you needed insurance, you found a black insurance agent. You know, it, it just was a thing you did. It was an ethic. Matter of fact, white America had this ethic for a long time. If you want to buy a car, you buy American, right? You buy an American car, right? And somehow between then and now, something changed. So now our new ethic is around integrate. Um, you know, integrate everything you have. Don't try and build your own. Don't build your schools, your banks, your, you know, these things that are essential to a, to a nation. What happened? Where'd the ethic go? Well, integration, integration is like a, a partnership. It's, it's like a marriage. You know, um, if you marry somebody, marriage can be, marriage in itself is not a good or a bad thing. It can be a benefit or it can be a terrible thing depending on, how the marriage is conducted and, and, and how the roles are accepted in that marriage. So um, the way integration, integration was not a problem because the idea is a bad idea. Like the whole, the whole global economy is integrated. Like we all connect, you know, we're doing business with countries all around the world. They're doing business with us. Integration is a wonderful thing. As long as the terms of the trade make sense. Hmm. You see, but the problem was that we uh, integrated into a, a, as Dr. King said, a burning house and abusive marriage. You know, we formed a partnership with um, a group of people that not only did not respect us, but they had a lot of toxic habits and issues that have infected our community. You know, like, so for example, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of white female feminism. I think that it's built on this weird gender war that's been going on for a really long time. And I think when black people started getting into that shit, our families start crumbling and falling apart. And that's in addition to uh, what racism and white supremacy does to us economically, socially, spiritually, educationally, and otherwise. Also, you know, if you think about, about integration, you know, in that partnership, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like, like if you're thinking about having sex with somebody, and I mean, you know, there's a difference between making love and each person having a wonderful experience versus somebody saying, hey, have sex with me. You say, okay, and they rape you. You know what I mean? Like, like we got uh, economically and politically and educationally and socially and spiritually raped by Ooh. integration. Damn. Like we were raped. Woo, this is we a different show now. We were absolutely raped, man. I mean, yeah. Think about this. Think about this. Damn, we just lost Idaho, bro. All of Idaho <laughs> just, just long yeah, like, right now. I, lo see, I love it. You know what? That's an example of what you were talking about. When you said, do I have aha moments? That was an aha moment. I've never described it as a rape before, but that's what it was. We, they they mm. raped us of our, of our dignity. They raped us of our institutions, our economic institutions. We don't have those anymore. Uh, our families, our families have been uh, crumbled. Uh, you know, uh, uh, our educationally, our children were better educated before integration than they are right now because they had teachers that loved them from their own community who wanted to make sure they could read and write and do math at a certain age. Now you've got these white teachers from the suburbs who are only who are only masters at teaching white supremacy. They're, they're only going, they're, their goal is to all teach right, a black right, child me, how to integrate into their system and to be a good a citizen within their system, right? Here come, okay. here come Raider Republican. Okay. Uh, uh, here you so, no, 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 because you're hitting, you're hitting on some really important things and, and, and I'm with it. I'm hearing you. I love this energy, but I want you to break down this suburban white teacher um, thought that you were going on, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's extremely important in terms of like how we view education for, for, for people of color. So go ahead, let's go. Yeah, it, it goes back to when I was a kid, man. I didn't relate to those teachers, man. I, I didn't, I hated school. School was like a prison for me. Um, I felt like they did not understand me. Of course, at in in an early age, first thing they wanted to do was put me on Ritalin, uh, put me in special classes and all these other things and tell me that I was stupid. You know, I did not feel any love. I did not feel any uh, support or encouragement in that space. Um, I did not feel that they understood me as a human being. Um, I felt like I was getting punished all the time and I didn't understand exactly why. Um, it was a terrible, terrible experience to the point where I almost rejected education um, for life at an early age. You know, I just happened to fall in love with it once I got into a different environment where I was able to see the benefits and the values of it. But, but, but if it hadn't been for that, man, I, I, would, I, would, I never would have gone beyond what I did in high school. All right. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, so so I think, you know, like when you talk about education and from what I understand, you guys have a strong you know background as far as education and training in that area. Um, 
I believe a lot of education starts with love. You know, uh, like they say, um, uh, the, the old saying goes, "If you, before you correct, you must connect. So for young people, before we start telling them what to do and trying to teach them and trying to influence them, we got to let them know that we care about them. You know, and I don't think our kids go to school and feel like those teachers from the suburbs care about them. You know, uh, I, I think about this. They, they reject black males. Who, like, for example, um, Louis Farrakhan could get the attention of young black males. He's done it repeatedly. No matter what the background of the young man is, he can get brothers to straighten up in ways that no institution in America can. But will Farrakhan ever be invited into a public school? No, they won't let him around because they Farrakhan won't feel like he can come to my school. Wait, you said he could or he did? Hell yeah, he could come to my school. Why not? Oh, so wait, wait. So, but but I think there's some context to build for you real quick. So one, so Ray is a superintendent over a school system, uh, over a charter school system. Chris used to be on a school board in Minnesota. And now he is just supreme activist and runs uh, Bright Beam, uh, which is probably one of the biggest education publications in the country. I started my career as a social worker, but I have my doctorate in educational leadership. And then Sharif, who might join us a little later, but he was a principal over a charter school for a really long time. And now he started a, an organization that recruits and, and, and sustains and retains black male teachers. So, so just for some context for, 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 I, for you, Dr. I, so, so, so here's my question to you, right? So we talk about the suburban white teachers that don't really connect possibly do not love uh, young black kids, young uh, people of color, because brown kids are included in that as well. And I like to see that you're drinking your water, nourishing your soul. That's what I'm talking about. Um, what about the what, what about the black teachers that 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 you know you know say it that don't give a shit about the black kids or the or, 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 let's talk about that. Let's get into it. I mean, I point yeah, it out all the yeah, time too. I just want to say I, I, all the time they join the system. And sometimes they're virtually no different than everybody else once, they, well, once they're on know, the inside. Well, that's what that's what you know, that's one of the flaws and shortcomings of integration and white supremacy. I think that we make the mistaken assumption that all white supremacists are white. Um, there are a lot of black people who are deeply committed to white supremacy, uh, deeply committed to the idea that that white is right. White is better. Um, you know, think about it. Um, you know, when you look at where black folks spend our money, do we spend most of our money with white businesses or black businesses? You know, when we take in our media, is it mostly white owned media or black owned media? You know, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the, when we talk about going to college, you know, most uh, African-Americans are in massive amounts of student loan debt from a big white university that didn't even want them there. Right. And right. so we, six you know, figures so I, here, bro. Six figures here. Hey, that debt is that debt is pretty substantial at HBCUs too. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and what's fascinating, what's unfortunate is that to just give an illustration of how deep we are in this problem, even HBCUs can be accused of a little bit of white supremacy. You know, I, I know um individuals at HBCUs that think about Howard, for example. I remember I went to Howard and I knew I was, I, I couldn't, I didn't know exactly where the campus was, but I knew I was there because I saw a big mural of Abraham Lincoln, you know, it's like <laughs> this, this hero, you know, and, uh, and no diss to Howard or anything like that. But, you know, uh, it, it, it's, if you're talking about an institution that says that brags about how many black students they send to work for white people, um, that means that maybe there's some work to be done in terms of helping us understand what it's really going to take to help black folks solve our economic problem. Or for the fact that, Dr. Claude Anderson, who wrote Poweronomics, one of the most impactful economic books ever. Uh, he, he lives in D.C. Howard will not invite him to come to speak on campus, right? He, he should be ahead of the white guys because he's actually providing a framework or a set of ideas that are uniquely designed for us. You know, and so it, basically the reason that you're seeing, for example, black wealth going backward, um, and it's going to keep going backward by 2053, you know, the median black wealth is going to be zero. I'm sure you guys have seen that story. That's happening largely because we're trying to solve the problem in all the wrong ways. You know, we, we think that we can really build a, uh, a positive network for the community by all of us working for white folks and going deep in debt to white universities and doing what we've done up until this point when actually the solution lies in other spaces. So I, I, I'm not saying that we know all the answers or that they don't know any of the answers that Howard University can't add any value. What I'm here to say, though, is that in order for us to really solve this problem in a different way, we're going to have to take a different approach. We keep doing the same thing we've been doing. We're going to get the same thing we've been getting. So what will we do different? I mean, seriously, like, wh wh where's the awakening going to come from? 
Um, well, you know, the way the awakening is like uh, it, 16, you know, 16, 19 is not the awakening. Bruh. Yeah, well, <laughs> bro, that put me back to sleep. That, that just, whatever woke is, that's the opposite of woke. That whole what is, sixteen what is nineteen right now. We existed before sixteen nineteen on these Absolutely. shores, and and I'll say it every show. Every time you bring it up, I'm gonna keep saying it. I loved sixteen nineteen better. I'm gonna keep bringing it up, and I'm gonna keep saying it. I loved it better when Lerone Bennett did it nineteen seventy something for for Ebony magazine, and it was called Before the Mayflower. I love that whole thing when it was done before and it was about black achievement, not about black trauma porn. But anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jesus. Well, you, well, you just know, for the record, all of us don't hate 1619. I just no, want to know. For the purpose of this podcast. Yes. I do, I do. I do love that 1619 report. Yeah. But go, go yeah. ahead, Dr. Watkins. Some of us think there's more to us than picking cotton. I, go I, ahead. I think, yeah. Wait, wait. Multiple things can be true. You see how you try to. I try to throw it back to Dr. Watkins to our guest. Or then he got he got, oh, no. he got to slide stuff in there. Or you know what I'm saying? I'm going to let Dr. Watkins go and I'll, I'll, I'll respond Absolutely. after that. Absolutely. Well, remember, I mean, you remember, I think, who's it, John Hammer? Clark, who said, if you start Black history as slavery, everything else looks like progress. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's and, 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 that's that, right. and I think that's, that's an issue, right? It, it doesn't mean that slavery isn't a part of our story, but it's not even a tiny fraction of our story, right? And, and I think it's important that that can't be uh, the majority of the story, because there's just so much more of the story that's there. And, and so when you talk about, you know, solving that problem, uh, a, a couple seconds ago, my brother was asking, you know, what do we need to do? Well, I can say this, you know, when we created the Black Business School, we have three basic tenets we call the Black Core of Three. We believe Black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support Black businesses. I believe that if you do that, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're basically creating the foundation for a type of bubble, a protective bubble, that allows you to basically say, okay, what does it take to really truly build a better Black man, to build a better Black woman in this society? Somebody who um, isn't necessarily perfect, but somebody who takes, gives their best to their community and doesn't just give the scraps. Think about this. If you go work for a white business for 40 hours a week, um, you're giving up, what's that, 2,000 hours a year, 20,000 hours over a decade, 80,000 hours of your life, you know, millions of dollars in human capital and labor to building institutions that are not in your community, right? And that's what we'll do. We'll give our best to white folks and give our community the scraps. And so what I'm just arguing is, Let's set up a framework where we can give our best to our community and give everybody else the scraps. So, for example, so if you raise a child in the beginning, let's say that that child goes to an independent Black-owned school where they're being taught Black stuff first. Like, before you even learn about George Washington, you're learning about 40 or 50 extraordinary Black heroes that are going to inspire you to fulfill your obligation to the community. And then you learn about the white guys after that, right? Um, And then... At that point, at an early age, the children are being um, introduced at an early age to uh, the fundamentals of wealth building, uh, stock and bond investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. So every black child knows how to be an entrepreneur by the age of 12, not because they're going to start a business, but just in case they need to, right? And then they get to the age of 18, and they learn what they need to learn. So everybody gets educated. Maybe some people go to college. Maybe some people uh, take special programs that will train them on the skills they need in order to go out and make money. I didn't really care about going to college, man. I, I, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I have my PhD. But if I was 18 again, I wouldn't have went to college. You know what I would have done? I would have spent all my time learning how to make money. I would have went to a boot camp for entrepreneurs and learned everything about setting up an LLC and running a business. I went to school for till I was 30. I never had a black professor. I was hmm. uncomfortable the entire time. I was surrounded by white people. It was not fun for me, right? I felt like I was in enemy territory the entire time. It would have been much more comfortable if I was 18 and could have got together with some of my brothers and sisters and started a great business and started making good money at an early age and then just read the books that I wanted to read and learn what I needed to know, right? So here's the thing. In, in terms of an ecosystem, if, if we're supporting our own schools, like create, you know, we, we got schools out here that are educating black children at a very high level. Schools like Freedom Home Academy, um, you know, the Muhammad University of Islam right here in Chicago. You got other schools all around the country. Uh, you know, if we're educating our own kids and then at that point, we have enough business owners that we can actually create jobs for those young people when they're done, you know, when they're done with school. And then the consumer, the black consumer uses that 1.3 trillion in economic power to redirect to black businesses that have been trained to supply the needs, right? So that you want socks, you can go to a black business. You want a hat, you can go to a black business. You need a laptop, you can go to a black business, right? Keep that money circulating in the community. Then at that point, there's no need to go outside the community to get your needs met. You see, part of the reason that we're very weak in America 
is because African-Americans, for the most part, are pretty much the only community where we send the vast majority of our young people out into enemy territory to get what they need. Because we ain't got, we ain't got nothing for them. They finish college, and we're like, we can't get you a job. I can't help you out, right? That's, and, and so what you're doing is you're throwing them into these unsafe, unhealthy, unhappy spaces where they spend their lives kind of being miserable and getting kicked around by white folks. Whereas I can say as a black entrepreneur myself, it felt good to be able to tell my kids, like, you know, if things don't work out over there, you can always come back and work with me. Uh, there's another documentary you guys should check out on Netflix called Uppity. It's about a black mm. race car driver, a legendary race car driver by the name of Willie T. Ribs. Oh, Willie T. Ribs was trying to break into NASCAR and all that other shit. And of course, the white boys didn't want him in there. But here's what was fascinating. In between the time where Willie T. could not get into a car or didn't have the sponsorship or didn't have the money because another white people was sponsoring him, he was always able to go back and work with his dad who had like a basic business that would allow him to fulfill his needs while he was pursuing his dream, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that just those basic fundamentals can do, do a lot in terms of liberating black folks, especially the black man, because I don't believe that America as it's structured really has space for the majority of strong, I'm talking about strong, ambitious black males to truly be empowered in the way they deserve to be empowered. I, I just don't believe that. All right, so, so, because I, I got a ton of questions, man. You're hitting us with, a, you're dropping jewels, man. But I, I want to talk about the academy. So Charles is in the academy, you're in the academy. Uh, hopefully you I'll too. be defending, <laughs> hopefully I'll be defending and, 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 and I'll be uh, indoctrinated in the academy in, uh, in August. Um, so I see a lot of friendly fire between you and fellow black members that are in the academy. I, it, it feels like it's a civil war amongst folks in the academy. Like, what what do you attribute that to? And like, what can change it? What can be you guys meeting in the middle? I can give you some examples if you need me to. I don't really want to throw that smoke to you, but if you want it. Oh, I'll that's give it okay. Right. It's okay. It's, it's not smoke at all, man. And uh, nothing's off limits. Um, uh, you know, if you're talking, for example, about Mark on my hill. There it is. Or Michael Eric Dyson. Um, you know, I, oh, I think you I'm got pretty, beef with Dyson? Damn. It's not beef. It's not beef. Okay. It's disagreement. Right. I, 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 I'm not, <laughs> yeah, disagreement. I'm not going to call it beef. I'm, I'm a yeah. vegetarian on that one, man. No, no okay. Right. In any of this. It's okay. more like. Um, it's soy. Yeah, it's soy. There you go. Okay. There you go. Or, or, uh, or meatless protein. Tofu. 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 All right. Or um, one of them. One of them. Uh, uh, incredible Whoppers from Burger King. It's impossible, bro. It's impossible, bro. Yeah, but keep it's going. incredible, too. <laughs> yeah, man. Right. You know, it, it's more like with, with with those guys or anybody else. It's, it's like, I just, I'm okay with disagreeing. You know, I think it's like a matter of making sure you separate the ideas from the person. And it doesn't have to be personal. Um, I don't know how they see it. Uh, I, I imagine people's emotions get caught up in how they feel and stuff. But I don't take it personally at all. I mean, you know, there's none of those, all those guys could call me and I would be more than happy to talk to them. You know, it's, it's not to say that we, um, we agree on everything or, or that we're not a little pissed at each other at times. But I just believe that part of manhood is the ability and maybe for womanhood as well. I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to that. But my definition of manhood is having that ability to kind of put your feelings to the side and just work it out. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's important. So I'm not into these like, dual to the death type beefs. There are some situations where you deal with another scholar or I've dealt with other people who are considered scholars that where I'm like, okay, I forgive you, but I just can't fuck with you because I don't, it's it's not because I disagree with you. It's because I literally think you're crazy or I think Mm -hmm. that you're, Mm -hmm. you're lying or I Mm -hmm. think that you're Mm -hmm. just fucked up, you know, like Mm -hmm. Umar Johnson, I'll just say that name. Uh, I used to, I've heard him speak. I thought he was the best speaker I ever heard. But some, but some of his behavior got so erratic and so ridiculous that I felt like just not because I agree with you or disagree with you. I don't care. I'm not threatened by being in a space with somebody who disagrees with me. Um, you know, because I think in academia, you, you, you do that. You know, when I would present research papers when I was at Syracuse, you'd have five people in the room arguing with you about your ideas. And that was OK. But I think with Umar, it was like, like, man, like, I really think you might be like doing some stuff that's like really problematic and it, it's not good just for what I stand for to even be in your space. But Mark mm-hmm. my Hill, I don't see him that way at all. And Mark knows, like, we got each other's phone number. Like, Mark knows. If Mark called me and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm putting out a new book. I want to see if you can promote, promote my book. I'd be like, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so, it's, so I want to make that 100% clear. And this is a good show for it, too, because, I mean, I'll, I'll look at the way we get along on this show. 
And just as before the show, just as four black men who one of us is, is more right than everybody else most of the time. But like, I still put up with I, 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 I appreciate I you still, me out like that. Cause I know, I, mean, I know how hard, I know how hard it is for you to tell me that I'm, I'm right. Just so I appreciate say, you doing that. Like, I love my brothers. I really do. Even though they're wrong most of the time, I love them like as, <laughs> like you love family, like cousins and, and brothers and sisters. You know, you just, you gotta love each other cause you're family. Now, you, you got dangerously close to something I think is a problem, for, not for us as a circle of black men, but when it comes to the academy and outside of us, there does come a point where I believe that people are using their status, their position uh, within the white world of education to do us harm, right? To shut off opportunities to the underclass, right? I'm talking about middle-class people who have middle-class kind of debt and go to college and come back confused about who they work for and suddenly they're saying things like everything you said about we should be running our own schools. When we say that, people accuse us of wanting to privatize the system and wanting to destroy democracy, wanting to destroy something that has just been a public good forever for everybody. And sometimes some of the people saying that about us are, on, are our own people, supposedly our own people. Not, now that's a different problem. That's not just us disagreeing anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. I I think that it is a different problem. And I think that what, what, you know, what I encourage people to do is, you know, don't let these uh, political parties, um, don't let them occupy your blackness. Like, don't let them, don't let this Democrat-Republican divide um, decide what it means to be black. You know, there's nothing about being black that says you have to be a Democrat. I don't give a shit what anybody I says. I, I tell him every episode, Dr. Boyce. Every episode. Yeah, man. I, I, I tell I, Charles I think, every episode. I know what the hell he's doing. Don't you got Freak Nick behind you right now? It's Freak you Nick behind it. you right you now? Got you. Ready to Republican or Freak get Nick? Get it, get it. Don't stop. Get it. <laughs> um, anyways, I, I, think, I think the doctor was making a good point about neither one of y'all is right. Because being black doesn't mean you got to be either one of your parties. I, I'm starting Absolutely. to feel like this president, presidential election, as it goes on, is going to cause some problems. People are going to start making us feel like you have to be one thing or the other. Right. Yeah, like as I, we get closer, I, I give, you know. I give, yeah, I give them all the middle finger. I'm like, no, there you, go. You, you know, like because I mean, it, to me, if you're trying to earn my vote, that's cool. Earn it. You know, earn it mm. by showing me what your party is or has done for the black community. If you can't do that then everything else you're doing is basically a mindfuck. It's a scare tactic, you know? Um, and I believe the black community is smarter than it used to be. Um, and I sure as hell am going to make sure that the people that, uh, that will, that get, lend me their ear, um, that, that they're as smart as possible. They're as informed as possible so they can make the best decision for them. I don't tell anybody who to vote for. I just tell them, don't let anybody punk you into doing something you don't want to mm. do. You know, that's it. Cause you know, so I, I think, so all the arguments like, you know, not voting for the Democrats is a vote for Trump. I say, fuck you. Uh, if you say, you know, if you, if you don't vote, you don't count. Fuck you. Your ancestor died for you have the right to vote. No, they didn't. You know, like, like, stop it. Stop, stop using my ancestors because you're disrespecting my ancestors every day when you let black communities deteriorate and erode. You know, and, and you and you so and, and you somehow feel that you know fighting for our voting rights is the, the only thing that actually matters. That's the, think about this. That's the only thing that they'll talk about most of the time is your voting rights, getting your voting rights. Well, what are we voting for? What are you, what are you trying to get our voting rights to do? Like, how about we solve some of these problems? I live in Chicago, man. Got these kids, man, the black male unemployment rate for young brothers out here in the South side and West side of Chicago is like 46%. What the hell are you doing for them? If you ain't, you know, it's so, you know, you got these areas, these districts, like, like remember, um, and that's the thing that makes Trump kind of a, an enigma is Trump call, Trump is calling that stuff out. You know, he's like, like, look at Baltimore. Baltimore is a shithole city. Like, look at he's got. There's been under Democratic rule for all this time, and nothing good. You know, I'm saying nothing good, but it hasn't become what people believe that it should have been, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, I mean, just because it's coming out of the mouth of an asshole doesn't make it not true. <laughs> you know, like I, I seriously, like so. So I personally think, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. It's sort of like, you know, this idea that that four more years of Trump is somehow going to ruin our lives. I'm just not that, that I'm not convinced of any of that. I mean, unless he just launches a nuclear warhead or, or something. He can't like, do that. What do you say to you? I say he can't do that. Congress just put something in play. Or, oh, he or could. Put a, put a, you know what? I mean, Listen, he can do whatever he, he, the hell he, he wants could. because, he you know, he, 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 he,
Yeah. Oh my god! So, <laughs> so, so about this independent school thing, man. Talk to us more about that because that that, that definitely intrig- intrigues all of us. Yeah, man. Well, you know, um, uh, me and my my, my beautiful um, fiance are going to get married in July 11th, and we decided to instead of taking gifts because we don't need more stuff in the house, um, we decided to create a foundation. It's called the uh, the Voice and Alicia Watkins Foundation, and our number one priority is education and. But within that number one priority, it is to support independent black schools. So, you know, no, we're not going to, you know, pay for some overpriced $100,000 scholarship for somebody to go to a big white university. We want to support schools like the Freedom Home Academies and some of these other schools out here that are really doing the damn thing, that are getting the job done, but aren't getting the financial support that they need. Um, and, and so because I think that what you, you need is you need economic engines that can support our schools that are not necessarily um, – tied to the nipple of corporate America or or even government money, because I don't think the country as a whole is moving in the right direction. And I don't like governmental interference in the way black people are being educated. I think black people should have a degree of sovereignty to decide how we want to educate our children. But the, but the solution to me is going to require us to move forward by looking back. You know, we got to ask ourselves, you know, how did how did a bunch of former slaves down in Kentucky go build Simmons College, you know, when they weren't getting any financial support whatsoever outside their community, but yet they educated, you know, thousands of, of, of black people that way. You know, uh, you know, what was it that led to some of the great black educators of all time to just build a one-room schoolhouse and educate the children at a level that the public school can't do today? Um, I think that models that are based on uh, being cost-efficient uh, you know, like maybe it's maybe it's working with homeschool networks to uh, elevate their training, you know, so that they can actually know what it means to educate a black child or maybe whittling down to the fundamentals of just what a solid education looks like. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of that. You know, um, I even said, you know, I think if I if I'm if I'm a young black boy again, here's what I would really feel would educate me at a level that will prepare me to go conquer the world. One is or the first three reading the three R's reading, writing and math. Right. If I'm sitting around, I'm reading constantly and absorbing information, writing constantly to learn how to communicate that information and doing math, then I've got the tools I need to go learn anything else. Like, so if I want to go to medical school, I can do that now because I've been reading everything I got my hands on and I've been doing lots of writing. So I know how to process information. Right. And I can do math. Then I can do business. I can become a scientist. I can do whatever I want. And then after that, you've got business. Right. Three major ways people make money in America. Stock investing, real estate investing, entrepreneurship. Spend, you know, it only takes, literally only takes a couple hours to learn how to invest in the stock market. Maybe a two day, two or three days of training to, to buy real estate. Maybe it takes a few months of training to be a good entrepreneur. But those are basic skills every black child should have. So you got six areas, reading, writing, math, uh, stocks, bond, excuse me, stocks, real estate, and entrepreneurship. Then you got black history. You learned your history going all the way back to Africa. Learn, learn about all the great white, black people before you start learning about the Europeans, right? So that you know that your community matters most. You are the center of the universe. Your people are the greatest people in the history of this world. Um, that sense of pride and dignity, that that's extreme love of being black, that extreme commitment to the black community, that's where great black people come from. Most of the greatest black people I know are black folks who just were taught who they were at an early age. So they're not running around here looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, trying to kiss the ass of the Democrats mm-hmm. so they can go get a job or kiss mm-hmm. ass in corporate America so they can fit in or out in, you know, in Hollywood, making an ass out of themselves like a Lizzo because they, because, they, because they think white validation somehow makes them a better person. No, black people just know who the hell they are. They don't do all of that. You know what I mean? They, they just kind of, they, they, they put their best in their community. And then maybe maybe something on critical thinking skill, because I think as a, especially as a black man, you have to be a critical thinker in this world to really sort through all the bullshit. So this doesn't mean that this is the only education they get, but it's a solid foundation. Like a child who's drilled on this, on those key areas, those five, six, seven areas every day for six hours, seven hours a day until they're 17, 18 years old, they're ready then to go out and do whatever they want. If they want to go to college, they can do that. If they want to start a business, they can do that. Whatever it is they want to do. Right. So so I think that we got to go back to the basics, man. So um, I believe that these the schools that have the best solutions for black people. Remember, there's a difference between, you know, see, the thing is, a lot of our children, what I see is that you you have the kids that are uneducated, which obviously is a terrible thing. Then you have the kids that are severely miseducated. 
which is when you think you're educated, but really you're just basically a white guy with black skin and you're out here supporting white supremacist <laughs> institutions. You add, you add no value to your community. You do a silly got thing. got the bow tie like, and everything. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> lay off the bow tie, bro. Come on, man. Got the bow tie and everything. They done gave you the bow tie. Like, gave you the cigar. They calling you doc all over the place, you know, and all of a sudden you're not writing books for us no more. You're writing books for someone else. I mean, yeah, what you just yeah, said, so- something in which you just said that I don't want to get lost. I want my readers to, my, our listeners to, to understand and hear this. If you don't know your history, it's not that you're doomed to repeat it. It's that you're doomed to not repeat the best parts of it, right? So we, we did some things before that is being erased from our hard drive right now. Our children's hard drive can't tell you that we built schools, in times when, when it was the most desperate. So th- this, this gospel of the low expectations that we hear right now around, oh, you know, you're just poor. You can't expect more out of you. Your parents are not great. This is not, you know, the life is bad for you or whatnot. You can't understand history and, and, and understand that that's a flimsy excuse for where we're at right now, for why. Because in the most traumatizing of times, we were still able to build some things we don't have right now. In, in, yep. in Durham and Raleigh, Durham and Raleigh, we built a fr- black fraternals, built an insurance industry, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we, we've built schools. Booker T. Washington built 5,500 schools across the American South that gave us the mm-hmm. first black middle class, right? The greatest time of literacy acquisition is in the 20 to 40 years right after slavery, not any other time in American history, right? So the excuses that we use now are new in a way because we're now being told that the public schools is really our history, not the schools that we started before there were, we turned our kids over to the public schools, right? And in mass and not just the public schools, but the deconstructed post integration public schools, right? Mm -hmm. After all the teachers were gone, all of the, all of the principals had been demoted to janitors and all of the school buildings had closed and our kids shipped off the only group in America well, I shouldn't say the only, but one of the only group in America who ship our kids off to somebody else to be trained every morning, yep. right? And not just somebody else. <laughs> like, we're not, out we're of not, all someone the, who had dominion not, over you. Someone who used to have dominion over you. How many somebody else's could we choose <laughs> that would make a worse one oh, than this? I, I, I don't uh, get what it. What are we doing? Oh, Dr. Sorry, Bo- Dr. Dr. Boyce, wait, Dr. Boyce. Well, hold, hold on a second. Qu- I, I just wanted to hop in with a question real quick because I've been listening. I didn't even have a come. I didn't even say nothing about the 1619 piece, but I did. One, I, I told people when we started that like Chris and Boyce was going to have this type of connection because they talked the same. That's one. So the question that I got, right? This is the question I got, right? Because I do my Why work do you have a question? If they have that connection, why I'm do you down. have a question? Why aren't you letting no, them talk? Because you stop talking. So <laughs> one of the things I try to do, right, is um, in healthcare is, oh, and, and, and education is try to bring those things together because it's the same type of issue, right? It's the same people, but we all kind of work in our silo. And now as I'm listening to you, Dr. Watkins, who does a lot of work on economics and we doing work in education, like Question. it's still our folks that's doing a bunch of work in silos. How do we bring all these kind of sectors together, right, to where... We are actually having a well-rounded solution that includes healthcare, that includes economics and things of that nature. Well, you know, I mean, I think coming together is a good thing in general. Um, When you come together, you can build economies around that. You can exchange ideas um, and just work. I mean, having teammates is always a a beneficial way to get things done. Um, You know, I I would say that uh, as far as a comprehensive solution to all all, all that ails us as black people, I think that's, that's so much, right? Like that's really, you know, like, um, like I got, you know, the Amos Wilson blueprint for black power and it's almost like he's got this comprehensive solution, but I mean, you know, this is a lot, right? You know? And so I kind of think I'm more of a fan of saying, you know, how do we solve one, you know, one or two problems at a time uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and figure out sort of what are the key areas in terms of where we begin, you know? So um, I, I think, just for example, figuring out ways that we don't all have to go work for other people uh, and we can be free to really do what we want to do, like some economic liberation is like a good start, right? Mm. I think in terms of education, um, you know, I tend to think in a, in a basic way of saying, okay, you know, what is education? What does it mean uh, to be educated? Where, where are the different ways to get education? So I think, 
you know, educational experts like yourselves getting together and really formalizing your 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 understanding of education and and, and finding ways to market those ideas to the masses uh, really goes a long way. I I don't really, you know, I, I don't really know. You know, if you're talking about bringing a bunch of people together from a bunch of fields and, and getting a bunch of money to do some comprehensive thing that's going to save, save the whole community, I don't know how to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I just know what it means to be a scholar who talks to anybody who will listen. I, I, I share ideas. I hear and share ideas of, of any smart person that I bump into like yourselves. I support and respect anything that I see that I think is beneficial to the community, like what you guys are doing. Right. And, um, and and I, and I think that we don't have to solve everything overnight. You know, I, I right. just really I really think that we should take some of the pressure off ourselves in terms of trying to figure out how this works. Like, so I think that what you guys are just doing with the podcast is a great start. And then I think the question becomes like, you know, what does success look like for you? What does change look like for you? What are mm-hmm. you trying to do? And then just do it piece by piece, brick by brick. Don't feel like you have to kind of solve everything in this massive scale because it because it becomes overwhelming you know because right. then you're like shit we need a billion dollars to you know i get so many billion dollar ideas pitched to me on a regular basis and, I, and like the other day just just yesterday brother came to me and said he wants to put factories and hoods all across america and i'm like well how much capital do you have he said i don't have any money now but if i get your help i i'm like no like I, I, that's, <laughs> no you know what i mean uh. So, so I think doing what you're doing goes a long way. You know, you I, I think like mothers that are watching, you know, like that's a good start. What's mm-hmm. interesting about your position on the financial side is if we could just get more hundred thousand heirs, right? We got too many people want to be even millionaires and billionaires or whatnot. We didn't pay attention over the last decade and a half that the number of thousand heirs, like white thousand heirs, right, <laughs> who are yeah. in the, the 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 hundreds of thousands and living you know, pretty decent lives in that, that realm is actually a superpower of that entire, you know, group of folks, right? Like they, they mm. kind of firmed up that group of people. They're all college educated. We need to get more across that, that, that finish line. But to the idea about bringing a lot of people together, have a smiley at that years ago with the covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. And he used to have these things, the covenant. I don't know if they were annual or biannual or whatnot. Yeah, like, I, I remember having a book. He, he put a book out with him too. Yeah. Yeah. So we took the book and made it, made the book a, uh, a rally cry locally for, for a series of living room conversations that eventually became an organization, an organization of folks that worked in the county, the city, the state, the nonprofit sector, the business sector. And they would just informally meet on Saturdays and Sundays. It eventually became an organization. But the covenant went away. Right. That 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 annual thing where you would have 30 people from representing everybody from like the teachers unions to banks Mm -hmm. to corporate to Cornell West and, you know, Mm -hmm. Republican. I I even think that someone like J.C. Watts or somebody was was there once or so, you know, that went away. And it feels like it was because of egos. So if there's any problem that we have, I don't think it's money. I don't think it's resources. I think it's organization. And, and well, can, a lack of, of can I can I add to that? So yeah, I just want to add, yeah, I just want to add to that because one of the reasons that I was so gung ho about voice meeting everybody, but more specifically you, is that throwaway comment that you always make, right? The comment around black kids are the new cotton, and then just the the economic. Because one thing we didn't talk about in this full conversation is is black kids are so valuable to that government ran system because of how much they're worth in it, right? right. So when I'm talking about the merging, right? Like, so your expertise, Chris, is around this education work and what you see and what you're doing. And if Dr. Watkins is like breaking down numbers and like the actual cost, like how much a black boy is worth in this system, like it might crystallize for the average person why they don't want to let you go. Why as soon as somebody talks about independent schools, you got the union about to be down your throat talking about you stealing money from them. Because they care about headcount. Right, right. I'm glad you raised this because we don't have that number right now. We would love to be able to tell parents, this is how much your black boy or girl is worth to the system after everybody gets paid. After every teacher, social worker, counselor, principal, uh, board member, big pharma, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) after everybody who has a touch on your, after all these college educated middle class people get paid for your child. You have a million dollar child. Stop acting like you broke. 
Stop acting like you're four when you walk into these buildings, right? Because because I got five children. That means that, like, listen, I'm Barry Gordy over here, right? Now. <laughs> uh, I'm employing a lot of people. Like when you think about it, but we don't act that way when we enter into the schools. We act broke. Like people are giving us something. Like right. like we're like we're getting a hookup of some sort. Right. So that's the point I mean. I don't mean necessarily having to bring 30 people together, right? But I'm talking about you and him getting that room, right? And y'all, this is that report. This is that thing. This is how much that black kid is worth an estimate, right? Within a few thousand dollars. And then after that's done, then it might be bringing a, a psychologist in looking at that and like, and here's the psychological effects. That, when I'm talking about germinating across I ain't meaning that we got to get everybody together and sing Kumbaya. I'm talking about a few very smart people stepping outside of what mm-hmm. they normally do day to day and doing a, because the thing you was talking about, Dr. Watkins, about these, these liberal places and how black people are getting treated economically. Like Chris has a report mm-hmm. that they just put out that is called the secret shame. And it's about the top 10 liberal cities in America and how poorly black children are being educated. Right? Like y'all talking about the same places and the same people, but if, I, if I'm in economics, I get Dr. Watkins. If I'm in education, I get this. Where is the thing where I go one place and it's like, because that would be powerful. What you just said with his money knowledge and with Ray talking about the piece, like that's, that's what I meant. If that uh, makes well, sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think in terms of uh, one place, you know, I can't think of any one place where that kind of thing happens. Um you know, I, I know Tavis, you know, Tavis is busy doing other stuff and, uh, you know, and all the stuff he was doing kind of died out. But I even would question and try to process, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that, there, that there, it wasn't effective what Tavis was doing. But, you know, what that what that event was, it was, it was a lot like church, you know, mm-hmm. like people would get their two minutes to speak and they would try to make the crowd jump up and down and stand on their feet and clap, <laughs> you know, and that, mm-hmm. that was it. You know, and, and I think that, um, you know, I, I know that, that my approach is, is one that's more so built on saying, OK, how do I talk to as many people as possible? Because I, I believe media is the biggest school system that there is, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and so I put my energy into reaching as many people as possible and finding simple ways to communicate very important ideas. You know, uh, Black Core 3, educate on children, create on jobs, support black business. Right. We repeat that a thousand times. I said, B1, black first. So everybody in my chat, we always type B1. And, and it's really kind of built on this belief that that you we tend to just, when we kind of desire something and the seed is planted, you know, the human brain fills in the gaps. Like, so if I just tell my child, like I knew a guy who's 30 years old, he's a multimillionaire. And, um, and I say, well, how did you become a, a millionaire? Like, what made you become an entrepreneur? And he said, my dad. I said, oh, your dad was an entrepreneur? He said, no, my dad was a truck driver. And I said, so well, how did your dad inspire you to become an entrepreneur? He said, well, my dad used to always say that any black man who wants to be free needs to learn how to start his own business. Mm-hmm. But I was like, did your dad know how to start a business? He said, no, he just used to say that. So when he went to college, he learned entrepreneurship. He studied entrepreneurship. He filled in the gaps that his father couldn't fill in. But his father planted the seed of desire. You know, that which we, uh, when we create that desire or that awareness, then people will go and pursue it on their own. You know, so my goal is not to motivate every person to do what I want them to do. It's to just get you to want something that I think you might want, that you might want to want. I pitch it to you. I try to convince you. And then I know that once I get you to desire it, there's steps you're going to take where you're going to move in a certain direction where your actions will will be modified as a result of what I said to you. So um, I think in terms of of what you're talking about, like the the think tank layout, I think it's Mm -hmm. great. I mean, I would support it. I, I, and I would, you know, participate where I could, you know, but, um, I, I don't really know. I'm not the guy necessarily that has that ability to pull all that together because we all don't have the same skill. Like my skill right. is mm-hmm. not necessarily bringing people together. I, I'm good at getting motherfuckers to hate me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all got y'all got another thing. In, y'all got another thing in common. I was say, like, got another thing in common. I'm telling I'm you, man. That t-shirt. That, I'm wearing your t-shirt. That, that, <laughs> that Chris and Boys connection about to be crazy. I'm not, I'm, not a I'm, not, I'm not the organizer, but I can support the organizer. You know what I mean? Like, so. So you're talking to the boys. You're talking to the organizer. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys have, you know, something like you know you, that, that report, for example, I'd be more than happy to tell people about the report. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, and, and that's what it is. It just requires like everybody just kind of play their part. And I and my and my goal is not to solve every problem and play every part. It's to do my best in my lane to help as much as possible. 
and then we all chip in and eventually the problem solve. And I think the number one thing you were talking about, like I was telling you like simple little things that can make a big difference is if we're just, you know, even when you're talking about creating more thousandaires, like a few hundred thousand dollars a year, really you'd be amazed at how much of a transformation you would see in the black community. If most people just knew how to make an extra $2,000 a month, mm. you know, or have like a little bit of free mm-hmm. time or whatever it is, or have a little mm. side hustle. Like that liberates people quite all, quite a bit, and um, and 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 also I think sort of this entrepreneurship conversation is valuable because it then allows people to kind of shape you know their passions and interests in such a way that you could actually be pouring your best into your community. You know, like you're an accountant, so now you want to create your accounting firm on the south side of Chicago. Like my accountant is on the south side of Chicago as opposed to going to work for a big accounting firm, you know, in, you know, in, in, in the white community. Right. So, um, and the other point I was going to make to add to what you just, you guys just said, because I think you, you've hit a lot of great points that, that, that really make me think is, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, that in terms of, uh, other little things, Oh, that's it. The redirection of black dollars. That's another thing too. Um, a lot of us think that solving the economic problem of the black community is to get more money from other communities, maybe get whites to pay reparations and things like that. And those things or get more you know, corporate sponsorships or bank loans. And, and those things do matter. But just the redirection of the money that we're giving away to other people can be a big deal. So it's like if you're in a house and the house is really cold, somebody might say we need to pump more heat into the into the house to make uh, the room warmer. But then somebody else might say, no, let's not spend any more money on heat. Let's just shut the window. So if we just shut the window economically, <laughs> wow. you know, and, and, and quit allowing so much of our wealth to no. just disappear. Like we have 1.3 trillion. I bet you 1.2 of that 1.3 trillion goes out of the black community. So what mm. if only 1.1 trillion uh, went out and the other two trillion, two, 200 billion stayed in the community? Well, that's enough money to create lots of thousandaires, millionaires and, and a few billionaires every year. Wow. That, that's I was a new about to close this out, but go ahead. Yeah. No, that's a new t-shirt too, right there. Like, so shut the window. That's a new t-shirt for the eight black hands. It's coming, like it's coming it. to you soon. Um yeah. I like well, you know, it. Um so, so Charles, I think you were about to jump in. I was I'm just about to I'm about to I'm about to close this out and send yeah. it to people's last thoughts. Um okay. and we always give our guests a final thought. So if you want to roll this into your final thought or however you want to go, Chris, uh or if you just Tell need more Marvel. time, that's fine too. No, final thought is good. You know, I, I, this has been a great show for me because this is everything. This is like the, the gospel, the positive gospel of what we should be talking about as we're awfulizing all the time about our position and how bad things are, whatnot. We can't talk about the good if we can't remember the things that we can do in the history that we do have that was positive and, and made us successful. And one of those successes was building schools and taking over the means of educating our own children and, and full, feeling fully responsible for how it happened, where it happened, what they learned, who they learned it from. And that's been taken from us again. Again, it was taken from us more than once in history. So to hear you say that, you know, there were three things that you think, uh, educating our own children, uh, creating our own jobs, so hiring our own people. And I want to, uh, you know, shout out to that one because life is different when you can't be fired. This is why I think man. Dr. Boyce is. This is why I think Dr. Boyce is, is, is a free, free black man is because you can't fire him, right? So I want everybody listening to us right now. If you aspire to be anything, be somebody who can't be fired. Right. <laughs> That's like a high aim in life. And then the last thing you said, build our own businesses. Those are all all doable things about owning the means of production. And 90 percent of the fights that we have out here with other people are us are, are us defending that idea and people telling us that we're somehow being traitors for wanting to pull out of such a great system all these different great systems we're involved with. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing that with us. Charles, you're right. This was right up my alley. You know, like we did a lot of shows for y'all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of shows finally, for Reef. There you go. For Sharif. Finally, we did a show for me, one that's about the truth <laughs> and stuff. I appreciate it. Well, uh, so hopefully much. next Sunday we could do a show about me. Oh my gosh. Yes, we actually we should. Be you, we you, should. <laughs> you know, I guess this is early pumping for the uh the Boyce and Chris uh podcast. Y'all should just do it once a month. I think that'll be fire. But Chris, uh Ray, give me your final thoughts, brother. 
So my final thoughts, I don't really have final thoughts. I, I mean, this is an amazing show. I love the energy. I love the connection between Dr. Boyce and Chris. I think you're right. I think they should do something monthly. Uh, I think it will be phenomenal and it will touch uh, a lot of lives. But my question to Dr. Boyce is, why are men great until they have to be great? Oh my God. First of all, that's your final he, thought. He is the he biggest is the he is he is the biggest troll, man. Why are you trolling troll. our guests? He's a troll. And I do want to say this. Shout out to Gizzo, because y'all about to get me kicked out of Minnesota right now. Y'all about to have the truck about to roll up to my door and pack me and drive my black ass to Look, Iowa if y'all keep I, that up. So shout out I, to, to Lizzo. I don't want none of that Lizzo beef either. That, that's no. between Boyce and Ray. That's 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 their issue. Uh, about to hit me with that hey, flute. I, I, don't, I, I don't listen to her music, but uh, do your thing, what? sis. I ain't got no problem with you. Let, 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 let me just say this. <laughs> let me just say this. Y'all, y'all are educators, but Lizzo is one of the biggest educators in America hey. because she is training uh, a million little girls a day to become complete thoughts. I, I don't know if y'all oh, saw God. this lady. Oh, my just God. yesterday, I, 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 here's why I bring it why, up. Ray? Why, Ray? Ray does this all the time. No, Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. It, it's important because, uh. because that's the thing we got to understand is like our kids are learning and everything that they consume and we're putting certain images on a pedestal. And, and you can go beyond the Mammy Jezebel minstrel show, but this lady was on TikTok, a, an app that draws children. Did you see this? And she was on her knees about to suck a man's you-know-what. Like, she literally was about to do this on TikTok, an app for children. I Go look it up. Go look it up. Go look it up. And then yesterday she's on Instagram and she was in a phone twerking. Like, so there were so many of my people, black women too, who just were very just deeply concerned about this idea that talented black women who, you know, who act like normal people can't get opportunities because white folks love to see a black person make a fool out of themselves, right? So that was the thing with Lizzo. It wasn't even really about her. It's really about this system that says, why is it that Lizzo and Cardi B are, are the two most highly talented and most highly promoted black entertainers in America when you got so many other people out here that are not cooning out, you know, but can't get a shot, can't get a deal, right? So, so to me, the, the solution is ultimately at the end of the day, black folks have to own more media because the people that own media don't give a damn about black people and they push out imagery that, that completely disrespects who we are, misrepresents who we are, and there's a real-life consequence to that. It's not just like it's all just on TV. No, man, there's a reason why brothers are the ones most likely to be sent to prison because when they're being judged by a jury, the jury's like, well, a white woman said he raped her. It must be true because you know how those people are, right? So we have to think about the images that are out there. Remember, Hitler controlled media so that he he, he presented media in such a way so that it would be okay to exterminate the Jews. That's what you do. You vilify somebody, and then when you exterminate them, people applaud because they think that you did a good thing. It's your fault, right? But thank you, boy, Dr. Watkins. I appreciate it. And you still got a final thought. Look, <laughs> Dr. Watkins still got a final thought. Let me, here's my final thought uh, because Ray can never ask questions again. Um, <laughs> ever, ever again. Uh, but there's a few things on here, man. And thank you so much for being here, uh, Dr. Watkins, again. Uh, Thank you for sharing your platform and having me on. I would love, I hope that you get the, the rest of the fellas on the show. We'll come together. But I think also just spending time with each of them brothers one-on-one would be, I think, great. I'm going to send you this report because I think once you read it, it actually goes falls in line with a lot of things that you said. Um, and, just, and just finally, man, um, thank you for uh, being willing to... Uh, to mentor, to help out, to like give us those trade secrets. And I just, and the, the other reason why I want to just be thankful for you is there's a lot of people, a lot of big names that we've actually mentioned some of those names in this podcast today that have also been like, oh yeah, I, I want to come on that podcast. I want to do this. And you want to, you, you said it and you instantly followed up. You instantly was like, oh, I want to be on like immediately. Like I want to, I want to do it. And like, you didn't just say it just to say it. And you, you, you could have, and you didn't do us like that. So thank you for that. 
Um, if any of those other people are listening, uh, follow up like you said you would. And uh, <laughs> mm, no, I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about any podcast, of those people, bro. I don't yeah, know well, about any of those people. Well, 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 and, and, and Dr. Watkins, we hope that you will be our guest again. And I hope that this is the start of a, a really dope relationship where we actually are bridging take this to that the education to, to uh, <laughs> yeah, we doing we set up a Patreon. But uh, but Dr. Watkins, we want to, as we do with most of our guests, we want to leave you with the final thoughts and reflections from the show. And we'll close out on that. Okay, well, what I'll say is, uh, first of all, it's an honor to meet all you guys and everybody, all your listeners and everything. And I appreciate the invitation. And, uh, you know, don't be so hard on the people that, that you know, weren't able to follow through right away. I mean, obviously, um, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you should do it. But um, one of the things that I, I can say is, like, when I, when I first started really kind of doing the stuff that I do, um, I got offended by a lot of people. And, uh, and I, I got pissed and I, I remember, you know, I, I would, I would just go off and go ballistic, you know, cause I'd be like, Oh, you ain't who you say you are because blah, blah, blah. You know? And, and the reality was that once I got into a space where I was, where I was being pulled on, uh, I started to understand a little bit better, not to the point where, um, I, it, it completely justified, uh, you know, some of the arrogance that you might see from people who are in the public eye. But to the point where it, it you know, there, there it, you, it can become draining, and you guys will know that, man. Like, like if you get if you get blessed, you know, to where you you're really out there, you'll get you'll get a thousand emails a day. Like, I don't even read my email because I get a thousand emails a day, and everybody wants to partner, everybody wants to talk. Everybody Chris don't read his emails everybody. either. Y'all are brothers. I'm out this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I tell you, it's, it's, it, it can be draining and overwhelming, and because I'm naturally an introvert, you know, I usually just stay to myself and work to myself. So, but I had to adjust because there was so much energy pulling and I, and I literally don't even answer my phone because it's like, everybody's eventually just calling because they want something. Everybody wants something. So it, it's, it's one of those things where um, it gave me a little bit more patience toward people that uh, I might've not had as much patience for in the past. Um, but at the same time, uh, one thing I will say that makes a difference, and I guess my final thought is more connected to supporting you guys and, and wishing you well, because I love what you got going on. It's a great foundation, is what I found was that the people that I wanted to connect to, the main people I wanted to connect to was Michael Eric Dyson, Cornell West, Al Sharpton, uh, at that time, not anymore, but Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, uh, Julianne Malvo. Uh, I'd say those are the top five for me at that time. And, um, and I eventually met all of those people. All those people eventually became my friends. All of them are in my cell phone right now. Um, but here's what happened. Never, I, I, the, pretty much none of them really were working with me that much uh, because they just wanted to do it. What happened was I just went back to the lab and built my own shit up so strongly that eventually they all took notice and they all started reaching out to me. Like my first meeting with Farrakhan was because somebody from his organization reached out to me. Right. Uh, and that's what it is. Like if you're excellent at what you do and you're impactful at what you do um, and you just do what you do at the highest level, eventually those people will come to you and then they'll be, they'll be asking you for favors. Right. So, uh, so, so do that. Definitely keep making those connections and things like that, but also get in and, and, and never undervalue what you have in place. Like what you have is, is extremely valuable. You just got to let the world know. You know, and I just think about that because I think about my days at Syracuse University sitting in my little apartment, you know, when nobody knew that I was there and I was like, they gonna know that I'm here. <laughs> it's just going to take mm -hmm. some time, you know, so, so stay on that grind, man. I think that what you guys have is great. I think the community needs it. Um, if you send me links, I'll be glad to share it. And, uh, and I wish you all the very best. And I'm absolutely honored and flattered. And I apologize for talking too much. You guys talk, talk nah, you, talking it's great. It was but, great. Um, but I, it's but great I, 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 I yeah, I'm honored, man. And I just have so much respect, you know, for what you guys are doing, man. So uh, I wish you brothers very, very well. Man, we thank you and we appreciate you. You all have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast and we will see you next week. Peace. You have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.